Hello everyone, welcome back to the Football Tribute Podcast. My name is Thomas Durning and today I am joined by my co-host, Pierce McLaughlin. Hello Pierce. Hello, how are you doing? I'm doing well. On the first podcast of 2024, we'll be discussing last weekend's English Premier League uh, and also two sets of Scottish Premier League results. And at the end of the podcast, Pierce will be giving a rundown of all the latest Asian football news. So we'll start off with the English Premier League results from last weekend. So on Saturday, the 30th of December, the results finished Luton Town 2, Chelsea 3, Crystal Palace 3, Brentford 1, Manchester City 2, Sheffield United 0, Wolves 3, Everton 0, Aston Villa 3, Burnley 2, Nottingham Forest 2, Man United 0. Uh, on Sunday, the 31st of December, the results finished Fulham 2, Arsenal 1, Tottenham 3, AFC Bournemouth 1. And on Monday, the 1st of January, uh, there was only one match, and that was Liverpool 4, Newcastle United 2. So, Pierce, which match from last weekend's results stands out to you the most? For me, it's got to be the Nottingham Forest 2, Manchester United 1. Um, thought it's just typical Manchester United going away to away from home in the Premier League and struggling. Um, we've been saying it on this podcast all season that Manchester United will win a game, lose a game. They don't really tend to draw too many games. And that seemed to be the case again. Like they won a game and then they've lost. So I think they've, they've got the second worst loss record in the Premier League this season. I think only one team has actually lost more games than Manchester United. And that is a, a damning statistic because they're meant to be the whole flying high at the top of the table, uh, Manchester United, but that's just not the case. Like, there's so many players in that team that just don't perform. And you look at the forward players, they're just not performing at the moment. Um, you look at players like Bruno Fernandes, Anthony, Rasmus Hoyland, Marcus Rashford, they're just not firing all cylinders. And I thought it was a brilliant performance by Nottingham Forest. I thought... For me, the stand, the stand, the two standout players for me were Morgan Gibbs White, who scored a brilliant winner, just a composed finish at the bottom left hand corner, and uh, former Manchester United player Anthony Alanga, who yeah. Manchester United would could be ruin letting him go because I think he's been a phenomenal player this season for Nottingham Forest, given that he's had an extended run in the team, he's getting matches to prove that he is a good player because when he was given a chance under. Oli Gunnar Solskjaer and Ralph Rangnick, I thought he was a pretty decent player. Um, isn't a world beater, but he's a good Premier League standard player and he's quick. He creates chances. He's, just he's so fast and um, he can play in a, a number of positions across the forward line. Um, but no, I thought Manchester, but again, were poor and not the Forest, were um, just a better side on the day. Yeah, I mean, I could say my United, but to be to be honest with you, it doesn't really stand out to me because I'm not that surprised about it, to be honest with you. Uh, I'm going to go for the, the Fulham 2, Arsenal 1 result. You know, that's two results, that's two losses in a row now for Arsenal. Um, you know, they've had a poor Christmas period. I think that's only 1-1-5 one, one, in the league now. And that's them kind of, but I mean, they're, they're, like they're, they're in the title race, but like they've, uh, Liverpool and, you know, teams like Liverpool Man City have kind of, Extended our gap uh, ahead of Arsenal. 
because uh, I was just thinking about Arsenal as well, like what the issue is. I just think that they're just too predictable. Like you kind of know, like like the way they build up uh, their play in terms of attacking, you kind of know where, where the ball's going to go. You kind of know where it's going to end up, and like they're just not clinical in front of goal. Like they've got uh, a striker in Gabriel Jesus who just doesn't score enough goals. Martinelli and Saka, you know they've actually done well in terms of their goal scoring record, but again they're not clinical enough, and it's it's you know it's costing them uh, pretty badly, and you know. Um, you know, for Fulham as well, was because they weren't great. They weren't great for them getting this as well, Fulham. Um, so that was a really that was a brilliant result for them. Um, so I just think in terms of the the title race, kind of a demographic, I'd say, uh, the Fulham Arsenal result was quite a pretty significant one. What do you think? Um, uh, Fulham Arsenal then, Tom. Do you think they need to recruit in January? In what position? Do I do you think that. Yeah, I do. I was actually going to say that. I, I it's like they definitely need for me to get a striker like. A top top striker, but I don't know if you're going to get one in January, you know, because no one's what no one's willing to sell in January, especially top strikers um around the around Europe. Um, you're going to be paying a lot, a lot of money, and I just don't see, I just don't see them getting that striker that they want in January. So it's definitely a striker for me that they need. Uh, they definitely need a striker. Um, but it's where they can get that striker in January because I think if they did get that striker like that was you know had a great goal scoring record you know I actually do like my my thoughts of them when the league would you know would, 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 would I'd be pretty confident about it for Arsenal but I just don't think they'll get that striker and I think unfortunately because they don't have that striker I just can't see them winning the league this season so uh, yeah so just go back to what you said definitely a striker Um. And I was just going to, I was just going to touch on, just briefly the Wolves Everton result, which finished three 0 Wolves. You know what a job Gary O'Neill's done. Um, I think that's three four wins in a row now for Wolves. Uh, you know they're quite comfortably in mid table, and you know Wolves have been, they've been really good. Uh, under Gary O'Neill this season, he's done a brilliant job with them. Uh, especially with the fact that you know the start of the season, you know Gary O'Neill only got appointed a couple of days before the season started. So, uh, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Just, um. So, sorry about that, mate. <laughs> my dad asked for tea. I don't know why. Uh, just uh, I. So, what was I saying? Um, Gary Neal. I so Gary Neal. Yeah. Um. I so Gary Neal. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. No. So, just round it off. He's he's done a brilliant job. Um. You know, and I think Wolves will end up having a pretty good season. So. Uh, we'll now move on to last weekend's Scottish Premier League results. So uh, again, I'll quickly go through them. So on Saturday, the thirtieth of December, uh, the results were Celtic two, Rangers one, Motherwell three, Livingston one, Kilmarnock two, Dundee two, Hearts two, Ross County two, Aberdeen nil, St Mirren three, um, and yeah, they were all the results from. So they were all the results from last weekend. So it was actually a really, really good Saturday week, Saturday day for football in Scottish in this Scottish Premier League. But we've only got one place to start. We all know what game we're going to talk about, and that was the Celtic Rangers game, which finished two one to Celtic. So we'll start off with you, Pierce. What do you think about that match? How do you think it finished? How, what did you, what was your thoughts about the game? I thought the game was 
pretty much how I'd expect it to go. Um, I, I, di I didn't think uh, both teams would keep a clean sheet. I thought it would be end-to-end. -end. There'd be chances either side. Um, and like I said, and we said it last week in the preview, that it's who's more clinical in both boxes in terms of the defensive shape and at the forward line. And that was the difference at the end of the day. I thought Celtic were just more clinical because Rangers did have chances, potentially more uh, guilt-edge chances, but when you've got someone like a Cyril Dessers up front or an Abdul Asima, um, a young Ross McCausland, I thought he was the most dangerous one out of the three. Um, but I thought for Dessers, he was he was a bomb scare. I thought he was he was just taking far too long. He was he was doing the right things, but then he was also doing the wrong things. And then when you've got someone like a Kyogo Furuhashi up front for Celtic, regardless of his form in recent in recent weeks, you know in this fixture he he turns up and he produces the goods. And that's that the winning goal in the, at the start of the second half was. Sensational. It's probably one of the best goals I've seen in an old firm game. Um, probably going back to probably Shinsuke Nakamura back all those years ago in two thousand seven. Um, it was unbelievable technique and to beat a goalkeeper of the caliber of Jack Butland, it takes something special. Um, but no, I thought it was a massive victory for Celtic because it gives them that little gap now. Regardless if Rangers win their, their two games in hand, um. They'll still have a two-point lead. Yes, so I I just feel as if uh, Celtic um, thoroughly deserved a victory in the end because they were just clinical in terms of the offensive shape and both sides were quite quite resolute defensively, but um, it was just that fine margins that um, got the victory for Celtic and obviously there was some debatable decisions that the referee and VAR didn't pick up, but um, it was a quite a feisty game to say the least and uh, the fallout from the game is quite um quite exciting to see, um because it just shows you how much this game means to fans of both sets, uh, and I thought it was a brilliant game, um yeah. Uh, I um, it, as you said, it was kind of the game I expected the way it kind of went. Um, you know, both teams had their moments. You know, Rangers had a good spell in the first half and. You know, I I I did think throughout the full match, I think Celtic were in better control of the match. You know, I think they had better chances. Um, uh, you know, but it was um, I mean, at, at the end of the day, you know, I, I did think Celtic deserved to win. You know, they they were more, as you said, they were more clinical. Uh, you know, Rangers, as you were saying, talking about Dessers there. You know, he had it was definitely one guilt guiltish chance he had where he was through on goal, and I don't know what happened. He just kind of stopped and. You know the Celtic defender managed to get back and clear it. So like things like that, you know, Celtic were just much more clinical. You know, topic Kyogo's uh, the second goal for Celtic Kyogo's goal was just outstanding. You know, to get out his feet and hit it on his left foot and you know right in the top corner, it was just it was brilliant technique and it definitely be a goal that you'll talk about in years to come in terms of uh, you know these famous old uh, Glasgow derby goals. Um. But uh, yeah, a really, a really good result for Celtic. A bit, a, a very important one as well because I think if Rangers had won that, you know, the advantage would really be with Rangers in terms of the league title, you know, because Rangers have still got two games in hand. Uh, over Celtic, you know, so Celtic had to win that, um, and they did, and you know, I think at the end of the day they did just deserve it, um, uh, and yeah, you know. 
you know, um, I was going to say as well that I don't think as well that, you know, you can take much in terms of um, answers. You could say about where where league title is going to go at the end of the season. Uh, you know, there's still a lot of football to be played. You know, there's still two more derbies to be played as well. So, uh, far too early to call in terms of who's going to win the title, but definitely a definitely a good result for Celtic. Um, and yeah, probably deserved at the end of the day. Uh, was there was there any other results from last Saturday that stood out to you? Yeah, I was going to suggest the uh, the Ross County, uh, the Hearts two Ross County two, um, because. Some of the football that Ross County played at Tynecastle was unbelievable. That they had a two 0 lead, um, and a few guilty chances. There's one in particular in the first half that Simon Murray, one on one with the goalkeeper, um, couldn't hit the ball at his feet and he tried to get outside of the foot and just hit it straight at Xander Clark. And for me, that would have made it three 0 Um, and that was that was that was the chance that they came. They would come back to haunt them. Uh, because Hearts made changes in the second half. Uh, substitute Vargas comes on, makes the impact, scores, and then the the chance just falls to the man that's getting talked about every week. He seems to be scoring every week, and that's Lauren Shankland. The most composed, silky finish I've seen. He just takes a touch. It doesn't even put any power on it whatsoever. and just passes into the corner. And the goalkeeper could just watch it because the placement is just perfect. Um, but no, I thought Hearts were lucky. But when you've got someone like Shankland, um, he can dig out a hole even if you're not playing at your best. Um, and I thought Ross County can take some plaudits for their performance. I thought they played some scintillating stuff at times. And uh, Derek Adams, I think that's his best performance for Ross County since he's he returned. Um, and it was not easy going going to. Tynecastle for any team but to take a point he probably bit your hand off before kickoff. but the fact is the manner they got the, the point he'd been thoroughly disappointed but um, no that was other match that stood out for me in the Scottish Premiership Yeah uh, that was that was a really good game as well uh, you know very entertaining as well um, I could have picked that one I was thinking about that but uh, for me it was Aberdeen now St Mirren 3 you know St Mirren went to Petrodin 1-3-0 you know I, I wasn't surprised, but I was surprised at the the result in terms of the fact that it, it finished three 0 You know, you don't really see Aberdeen losing three 0 a lot at home. Uh, you know, they are quite strong at home. If they were to lose, they don't lose by that much. So I was quite surprised at that. It kind of stood out to me. Um, you know, we'll talk about we've got an RCS results to talk about, uh, and we'll talk about that just very shortly. But a result like that puts an uh, by Robson under pressure. You know, uh, you know they've not had a great start to the season at all. Um, in terms of the league, you know they've done well in Europe and they've done well getting to the final, of the league cup. But in terms of the league, they haven't started well. Um, you know, and a result like that puts puts pressure on you. If you're not winning games, you know, you're going to be under pressure. So that definitely was the match that stood out to me the most. Um, and uh, also just a quick shout out about the Morrowell Limson result, which finished three one to Morrowell. You know, I think that was one of those first win. In quite a while, so um, you know they they would be pretty happy about that. The fact that they finally got back to winning ways. Uh, so we'll move on to yesterday's Scottish Premier League results. Uh, so these are the last fixtures played in the Scottish Premier League. Uh, because we now have the winter break, 
So uh, the winter break will last around about two weeks, two, three weeks. So the results yesterday uh, finished Hibs 2, Murrowell 2, Livingston 1, Hearts 2, Rangers 3, Kilmarnock 1, Ross County 0, Aberdeen 3, and St Mirren 0, Celtic 3. So, once again, Pierce, is there a match there that stands out to you? Yeah, so I'm going to go with this Mirren 0, Celtic 3. Um, to start off, I think there's a few games I'm going to mention. But that's the first one for me. Um, thought obviously <clears throat> getting the win versus Rangers in, in the the Glasgow derby. Um, you've got to follow that up by going to a pretty tough venue in recent years for Celtic. Um, because obviously even under Ange Postecoglou they've suffered defeat a few times, a couple of, a couple of draws. Um, so it's never an easy time to go to play uh, Stephen Robinson's side. But I thought. They got off to a perfect start under a minute. Dyson made their scores, and then five minutes later, they've got the second goal through Matt O'Reilly. Um, and I think that really kind of set the game because from then on, it was just total domination from Celtic, and they could and should have scored a lot more goals. Submarine did go down to ten men, and then after that, it was just it was just it was two two banks of five and just defend for their lives. Um. And Celtic managed to get a third in the second half through Greg Taylor, but um, the game was done in the first ten minutes, and I thought that it was a fully emphatic performance, backing up their um their derby at win. And also, I'd like to mention also Rangers beating Kilmarnock three one at home, so they followed up the defeat at the weekend to Celtic by making sure they don't drop any more points, um, and keep keep their title race well and truly alive. They get three one uh one, it's and obviously a monumental statistic that just uh, happened. It's now the that was now the finally Rangers now finally conceded a penalty after seventy five league games. That is nearly two full seasons, and that is a damning statistic to, for any side to have, and it was nearly a world record. Um, so even Derek McInnes after the game was shocked to even get a penalty at Ibrox. That's how bad it is. Um, but no, uh, finally they've conceded a penalty. Um, but it didn't mean anything because Rangers had the game well and out of sight at the time anyway. So, and and the final game for me would be the Aberdeen three Ross County nil. Upton Dingwall. Um, we mentioned obviously did a fantastic performance about Tynecastle, but it couldn't have gone any worse. Um, at home, I thought they were. Well and truly um, outclassed by Aberdeen, who themselves were on the receiving end of a 3-0 drubbing at home. They then go away from home and get a 3-0 win against Ross County, which is going to do Barry Olsen the world of good. Um, and he got the reaction he wanted, and I thought the standout play for was Jamie McGrath got a double. Um, him and Mioski linked up really well, and um, no, they thoroughly deserved a win, and it could have and should have been more. Um, so the other three standard fixtures for me in SPL this uh, this set second fixtures. Yeah, uh, for me it's kind of only one to be fair that stands out to me, and that's the uh, Ross County now Aberdeen three, and it was just basically falling on from what I was talking about uh, a few minutes ago. You know, it was a really bad result for Aberdeen on um, uh, Saturday where they got beat three 0 for something. And I wasn't going to. I mean, to be honest with you, I felt if Aberdeen had lost that match, I would have really, really worried for Barry Robson's job just because of the fact that we're now in a winter break. So, like, 
it's time to think, you know, about make big decisions and stuff going into the second half of the season. So for Aberdeen to win that three 0 by Robson, that takes the pressure right off him. Uh, you know, that was a really, really massive result. Um, and the fact that they went to Dingwall as well and won three 0 as well. Um, so that was a really big result for me. That stood out to me, uh, the most. Um, and then just quickly briefly about the Hibs Murrowell match, the fact that I ended two two. You know, Murrowell building on their victory from Saturday where they won three one. Um, and they could have, they probably should have won that. But Hibs scored in the last minute uh, with Eli Yuan. Uh, so Murrowell were just about just about lost two points um, in, the, in the last kind of minute of the game. So, uh, yeah, so my standout match from yesterday's Scottish Premier League results was Ross County 0, Aberdeen 3. Um, so for the final part of the show, Pierce will now give his Asian football roundup. Yeah, so I've got, got a lot to go through today. Um, so in terms of Asian football news, uh, South Korea have released their Asian Cup squad. So they've picked three goalkeepers in Kim Sung-gyu, Jo Hyun-woo, Song Byung-kun. And the, def- the defenders have picked Kim Young-won, who was the player of the year in the K-League 1 for Ulsan Hyundai. Uh, Kim Min-jae, Jung Sang-hyun, Kim Joo-sung, Kim Ji-soo, So Young-woo, Kim Tae-wan, Lee Ki-ji, Kim Jin-soo. Midfielders have ch- they've gone with Park Young-woo, Hwang In-bom, Park jin Sub. Hong Hyuk Sok, Lee Soon Min, Lee Jae Sung, Son Hyun Min, Lee Kang In, Ju Jong Woo Young, uh, Yang Hyun Jun uh, of Celtic, um, Hwang Yee Chan of Wales, Moon Son Win, um, and then the two forwards have gone with Cho Go Sung and Oh Young Go. So they've got the three matches, uh, so they're in Group E alongside Bahrain, Jordan, and Malaysia. Uh, and they kick off the first match on Monday, the fifteenth of January, um, and that will be a nine thirty kickoff. Um, and then the second matches, um, they'll be the wayside against Jordan, and that'll be an, also a nine thirty kickoff. And then the third and final group game will be hosting Malaysia at nine thirty kickoff on the twenty fourth of January. So Japan have also released a squad in terms of the Asian Cup. Um, so we've got with three goalkeepers, Daya Mikawa, Zion Suzuki, Taishi Brandon Nozawa, and then the defenders are going with Shogo Taraguchi, uh, Kota Takura, who's hotly tipped to, to leave um, uh, Schalke. He's um, tracked by a lot of clubs, including Liverpool. Um, to Tosuyoshi Watanabe, Yuta Nakayama, Koki Machida, Saya Maikuma, Takehiro Tomiyasu, um, Hiroki Ito, Yokinari Sugawara, and then midfielders have gone with Wataro Endo, Junior Ito, Takuma Asano, Hidemasa Morita, Koro Matoma, who is injured but potentially he would return for the third and final group game um, because he's only out for a matter of weeks because he just pulled his hamstring, I think it was. Um, Rio Hitati, who just came back from injury um, uh, against St Mirren, and uh, he's been called up to the Japan squad. Takefusa Kubo, Richard Doan, and then for the forwards, we went with Daisen Maeda, Ayase Oyeda, Keita Nakamura, Kashi Sano, and Mao Hosayo. Um, and obviously, the, the glaring exclusion in, in that Japan squad is um, Kyogo Furuhashi. 
which is a pretty shocking exclusion considering um, he's been in recent squads and I think um, pulling out of the last squad because he, he suffered a, a pretty serious head knock against Aberdeen um, where, he, where he was knocked unconscious and he had to pull out the, the latest squad back in um, November and obviously his form this season hasn't been the greatest but you did see in the big games he performs in the Champions League scored against Atletico Madrid and Lazio and, and also scored against Rangers at the last weekend so Japan are in Group D alongside Vietnam, Iraq and Indonesia um, yeah so the first game they kick off is a home side um, on a Sunday, the 14th of January, and they will host Vietnam, and it'll be a 9 30 kickoff. And then the second fixture will be Friday, the 19th of January, will be a wayside to Iraq, and it'll also be a 9 30 kickoff. Um, and the third and final group stage game will be hosting um, Japan versus Indonesia on Wednesday, the 24th of January. And all those times for Japan and Korea will be in um, Korean Southern time, so my time. Um, so another bit of uh, breaking news soccer news legend Harry Kuehl is the new Yokohama F Marinos head coach after leaving his role as first team coach at Celtic FC he replaced his fellow Aussie Kevin Musket and is now the third straight Australian to lead the J League 1 club the FC Champions League last 16 draw in the East is set so Jumbut Hyundai Motors will play long steals of the, both key League 1 sides um, Shandong Taishan of the CSL so Chinese Super League will will play Kawasaki Frontale of the K, uh, the J League One, and then you've got Bangkok United of the Thai Premier League who will um play Yokohama F Marinos of the J League One, and then Ulsan Hyundai of K League One will play Vent Forty Kofu of the J League Two. So the champions of K League One will play the Japanese second division side. So this is a two-legged affair with first leg set to take place on the 12th of February and the return leg will be on the 19th of February um, a week later. So no kickoff times for either leg has been set yet, but some interesting ties that will be fascinating matches to watch. So Korean national team and PSG superstar Lee Kang-in is reportedly in a relationship with K-pop star and actress Lee Na-un. So according to reports in Japan, Celtic reportedly interested in Kashiwa Racehall's breakout star striker, Maya Hosaya. Due to his inclusion in the Japan squad for the Asian Cup, I feel this might not happen um, for Celtic as they might wait until this summer. Hosaya's stock is certainly on the rise and uh, Celtic will have a fight on their hands um, if they do want to secure his signature. But one thing is for sure, and that is Hosaya is destined to leave Japan for Europe this year whether it be January or in the summer transfer window. Watch this space. So the K-League 40th anniversary exhibition has been held at Times Square in Yongdingpo. Uh, so you can see the history of the league, old uniforms and past official match balls. Uh, certainly worth a, a visit because it will be a, a sight to see of all the classic kits and... Um, just a history of the, the K-League. It's uh, brilliant to see. So Kim Min-jae has been voted as the Korean Player of the Year, ending Spurs and South Korea's captain Son Heung-min's four-year winning streak of the award. Kim, 27, had a stellar year at both Napoli, helping win the first Cadetto in 33 years, 
and manning the back line for Bayern Munich, who are currently set second in the Bundesliga, four points off Bayer Leverkusen with a game in hand, and what will be an exciting title race. Kim and Jay is the first defender to win this award since Kim Jong-won back in 2015. Here's what Kim and Jay had to say after winning his award. It is an honour to win such an award. I will continue to put in hard work. I'd like to thank the fans who have stayed up late at night to cheer me on. This is the most special year of my life. I wonder if I'll ever receive a bigger honour than this in the rest of my career. I had a special season last year. I will try to replicate that performance in the new year. I've proven that defenders can win an award like this. I hope to see my fellow defenders play with more confidence going forward. So the KFA have also recognised top coaches in South Korean football. Kim Ji Dong, who led Hoang Steelers to the FA Cup title and a second place finish in the top flight Kelly Gwynn, was named as a male coach of the year. And that's all your latest Asian football news. Thank you, Pierce. <clears throat> and thank you everyone for listening to this episode of the Football Chuggie podcast. This podcast will be available to listen to on the Football Chuggie YouTube channel and also the Football Chuggie website. Thanks for listening and see you soon. Bye-bye.